Welcome back to the fourth of our 10-part series called Retrospective. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, I highly recommend going back because it will flesh out a little bit of the, the whole story behind this. In this episode, we talk about career paths, how some people have very straight lines, while other people, such as myself, have very curvy lines with lots of different divergent paths. In this episode, you'll hear conversations with my fellow graduates in this order, Sonia Heinrichsen, Brett Gottschall, Mira Hecht, Erez Golan, Peter Wu, Joram Wahlberger, Ricardo Rivera, and Lizea Lyons. A lot of the artists that I know here who have remained here from our, you know, from our class or just artists that I know in general have some kind of support system. Like they either are married to somebody who helps pay the bills or, you know, or they have a family support through parents or something like that. I have none of that, none at all. So I'm really on my own with everything. It's like, and that, you know, even just the daily, like the, the stuff that comes on top of everything, you know, like, I, I don't know, shopping, cooking, food, all of these things. Like at the moment, I'm so busy because we have these ceramic sales coming up now, which is because of, you know, the holiday season that I'm like, when do I prepare food? And, <laughs> you know, when do I do my laundry, which is actually running right now because now I'm at home because I'm doing this interview with you. So I have definitely felt very, very strained, you know, and also drained a lot where I'm like, I can't take it anymore. I don't know how to do all of this. And now that I'm teaching at this, at this museum art ceramic studio in the city, in the city meaning San Francisco, because if you live in the East Bay, you call San Francisco the city. I don't know why, but, <laughs> but that has actually taken a, lot of, taken a lot of my time because I'm also, I'm, I'm not just teaching, I'm running the whole studio, which in ceramics is a lot because you have to, you have to reclaim all the clay. It has to be reconstituted. You have to fire kilns. You have to clean up a lot of stuff. It's actually, it's a lot of work in ceramics. It's a little different than, than a lot of, than some other media. Uh, there's a lot of behind the scene operation that needs to be done. I know. I, I ran a community darkroom for 10 years and like the amount of behind the scenes just to keep it running was... It, even that, I mean, and, and ceramics is more. I, I know you had to do far more than I would have to do in a photo studio, but still, I understand personally. Yeah. I empathize with you. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's taken a whole chunk of my out of my week. So, and, and, and I'm also doing all this other stuff with all preparing a, 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 on the 20th, I'm firing a high fire kiln. Uh, I, I often fire my own kilns and then you have to have a full kiln. You have to have enough time to produce the work, to glaze the work and get it all ready. And, you know, and since this is a community studio, I can't shift it by a day, by a day or two days or, you know, or not at all. It needs to be fired that day. It's, it's, um, it's uh, sometimes quite stressful, actually, and sometimes like, wow, you know, I'm questioning this a little bit. But yeah, it's it's a it's definitely a challenging life. But would I want to do something different? You know, I mean, would I have wanted my life to be different? 
probably not. I mean, probably not in the sense of、um, you know career that I would have chosen a different career instead of being an artist. No, I don't think so. I think I did make the right decision. I wanted to be an artist, and it was really not so much of a. Maybe it wasn't even just a choice. It was just what happened. You know, it was like I was always a creative person, even as a child. And I think this just had to happen. I would have been, I would have been very unhappy in a, let's say, an office、uh, environment. I mean, I have, you know, as a as a student, especially when I was a student in Germany, I had all kinds of jobs in the summer and you know, side jobs、uh, while being a student. And some of them were office jobs, and I hated it. I hated it. I was counting the hours every day and counting the days until that job was over. Because usually it was like, if it was a summer job, it was like six weeks or eight weeks or something. And, you know, I just really, really didn't like that at all. I mean, it's still actually something I don't like, even in my own work.、Um, And that's、uh, a big deficit. I'm really, really bad at,、uh, you know, advertising myself, putting together my website, Instagram. It just doesn't. It seems to never fit into my time schedule or day. I didn't like all of that stuff from the beginning, right? So that is,、uh, it's a big, you know, doing my taxes. I still haven't done my taxes for 2020, and you know, things like that. I. Really, I'm really horrible at those kinds of things. So, I would just not make a good administrative person of any sort. I'm with you. My, my wife is an accountant, so that is helpful for me. Yeah, that's helpful for you. But you know, as I said, like I always, I have to do my own everything. During uh, uh, grad school, I was working at、uh, Pasquale Ginetti Master Print Gallery. <laughs> Hi Pasquale, are you out there? <laughs> I think he's still kicking. He's still going. But、uh, like after I graduated, I I I went to, you know straight into his office office and it's like, hey, do you want me to stay for? I'm gonna you know I plan to stay in San Fran for a little while longer, but I need to get paid, man. So I said, here's my number. This is what I want, and this is what I'll do. And、uh, and he was he was he's a tight. Uh, he, uh, he kept his wallet real close to his、uh, his person. He liked lots of great things, but he didn't want to pay for it. But anyway, so I put that out there, and voila! Without even thinking, he's like, "Yes, I'll, it's fine. I'll, I'll pay it." So, <laughs> so it was the system was working for me already. And I remember talking to our finance guy there, and he he couldn't believe it. He's like, I've worked for Pasquale for twenty years now, and that's、uh, he's never paid anybody that much money. <laughs> it's like, okay, so it worked. I asked for what I wanted, and I got it. I got lucky, I guess. Then I I stayed for you know two three years after after graduation, and that's what I did, which was you know putting the shows together. I got to do some curating. I was also the guy hanging the shows. And doing some framing and learning how to learning how to frame. So I got a lot of good stuff out of out of that. And then when I moved moved away, and sold that Mustang. Gosh, I wish I'd never sold that dang Mustang. Sixty、uh, six. <laughs> If you're out there, Mustang, I miss you. So, <laughs> but maybe I get it again.、Uh, came back this way, 
kind of with a clean slate. And, you know, I was like, well, you know, I'm going to try to maybe get a teaching job. So started applying for those things. And in the meantime, uh, looked for interesting art-related opportunities, which turned into that, you know, a, a couple of yahoos wanting to start a gallery and didn't know anything about it. Like they just wanted to make money or something. But I think that's a rite of passage that all artists yeah. go through is like thinking they can run a gallery at some point. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's I tried that, which was a... <laughs> it was crazy. I, I'm glad I did it. Uh, it was just with the wrong uh, people. But we put some shows together. I think I got six months out of that, six shows out of that, uh, and got to show some of your work and all of my favorite people's work, right? Sure, what? maybe, maybe not. I don't recall this. Okay. It's possible. I, my yeah. memory's not that great, so it's okay. possible. What was uh, the gallery maybe called? I didn't. I, I may be mistaken too. It's been a long time. Gallery forty four was the gallery. It was on forty fourth and Main. I don't think I didn't. You, you didn't have a show there. You didn't no. have a show there. No, I don't think I don't think I did. Justin and John sent me some work. Dick sent me some work too. Who else? I, Lily sent me some work too. So it was kind of like this. Uh, it was like a little bit of uh, San Francisco out there. And then I had locals that, that I was just learning uh, uh, the community here. So I just moved here. I didn't know anybody. When you start a gallery or a new gallery starts up, everybody comes, you know, the whole town is there. So there was support there. We were kind of in a weird uh, part of town where there were no other galleries, the big box stores. And somehow this little galleries, this, stuck in between and there was like a hair a hair salon next door you know that that kind of a deal anyway well it's either that or it's in a rundown neighborhood where nobody that would go to a gallery would want to be seen mm-hmm. yes yeah so anyway that lasted six months and the guys <laughs> it was it was messed up the guy that uh, was paying the the lease on the space really interesting but strange dude and his son had had lots of problems that uh, became my problems i had this i had to say hey we we can't do this anymore <laughs> it's those dogs we had a frame shop attached to so i was doing the framing putting the shows together but during this time the supposed to be a partner in all this is addicted to uh heroin and is coming in after hours and stealing all the all the equipment, generators, yeah, and and hawking it <laughs> so he can go get some more Mac. That was uh, the downfall of that place. It's like I can't do this anymore. I, I I'm going to defend the heroin addicts in the world. I was a heroin addict. I never broke in anywhere and hawked anybody's stuff. It's just like yeah. I was a very responsible heroin addict. Yeah, anyways, there you go. There's a way to do it. Yeah, you know. So yeah, don't yeah don't steal stuff, especially from yourself. <laughs> it is a li- well, he was probably stealing. He thought from his father. Yes, he was. He's got problems with his father. So yeah, that that there was that. I wasn't getting paid much of anything for that. Just a lot of hard hard work and doing something that I that I like to do. And then during that time, I I got a job at the community college, 
printmaking, teaching introductory printmaking. Yeah, it was just just the one course, and I did that for a year. And I also ran the gallery at at the the community college, so that was kind of a dual thing. And then also at that same time, would go over and uh, you know work a work a weekend or work a, a couple of days at at the Kemper Museum, contemporary art, just to stay in the mix and meet the people and, and see see the artwork. And then I just got lucky with the, the uh, Nelson Atkins Museum expanding their building and then moving all the artwork from one area into another area because I was working at the Kemper, which is right next door to the Nelson for the most part. They called over asking if they had if anybody was available to, to help in the move of the storage, and so I was like, "Oh yes, please." So uh, that's how the Nelson Atkins thing came up, and you know, I worked part time for six months and then did my good work, and uh, they hired me on full time after that. So that was kind of the the path. So I taught at the Corcoran for 11 years, and then the pandemic happened. I was teaching continuing education is what they call it there. Uh, I applied to teach just, you know, regular classes. And I got a call like the day after I applied to teach there saying somebody decided not to teach continuing ed. Could I help them? Which I, I said, yes, of course. And I started teaching actually adults and young people who were enrolled in the bachelor program because the Corcoran had a continuing education program, which is very unusual in that people could accrue credit for these classes, which are the classes that I took there before I went to SFAI. You have to pay double, but still you could get credit, which was great because American took those credits when I went back to AU, they honored those credits. So that, that was great. But when GW took it over, that accreditation stopped. So GW took over the Corcoran maybe five years ago, four or five years ago. Anyway, if you teach, you know, you don't make a lot of money teaching, especially in a university. I was an adjunct teacher. So I was doing it just because I love it. I love teaching. And I realized I love teaching adults probably because I went back to school as an adult and I felt like I was really giving back. And I, I feel that my adult students, who many of them now are in galleries, they're showing their work. I've been teaching them for like 11 years, the same people. It gives me so much pleasure. I mean, it's just a lot of lawyers who wanted to change what they were doing. I mean, it's like, it's just a blessing to work with them. And so after the Corcoran stopped uh, during the pandemic, these continuing ed classes, uh, I decided because my students were saying, please teach, that I would have to teach on Zoom because no, you know, no one was seeing each other. So... Zoom was the only option, and it works so well for me. I'm making more money teaching on my own than I was at the university, but certainly not enough money that would sustain my life or anything like that. And I'm not living 
on the money that I make through selling my paintings, although I have two galleries and they do sell my work. It was really slow during the pandemic. Not much was happening. I mean, I would apply to online shows and things like that, but uh, not a lot was selling. I was giving away some paintings to help other artists who were really hurting during that time. And so charity things during the pandemic, but no, I don't, I would really, I don't, I don't know how I would sustain myself. If I had to live just on selling my work, I'd probably have to have a few more galleries. Yeah. But I do sell my work through the galleries. Yeah, of course. So the short version is we graduated. I stayed on for, I think it was uh, five more years uh, running the community education at SFAI. I was the, ended up being director of community programs, uh, mainly focusing on the uh, young artist program, the kids program. There was the young artist program, the pre-college program, the adult continu continuing education program. And we, I did that for five extra years. And then we moved back to Israel, and we've been here since. So, uh, you know, roughly 15, 15 some years in Israel since. Now, you say we. Were you married in school? Well, I moved to, we moved to San Francisco. Sharon and I moved to San Francisco together. She was getting her BFA from the New, New Genres Department, and I was doing my MFA in photography. And as soon as we graduated, we both graduated at the same time. We got married in Las Vegas. We did an Elvis wedding in Las Vegas. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, there was uh, another Israeli uh, artist with us, Sharon Glasberg. She was also from New Genres. But regardless, I mean, she was the one who actually filmed. We, we made like a video movie from the Vegas wedding. It was nice because we shot in the Paris Hotel and the Venetian Hotel. Then we did the Vegas wedding. So it was like we were, we were traveling all over the world, you know. Nice. It was, it was nice. And then we actually had the actual wedding back here in Israel. Then we had a big honeymoon, went to Vietnam, went to Laos, went to Hong Kong, Berlin, and then moved back to San Francisco. Sharon actually, as soon as she graduated, she started, she didn't stay in the art world. She started her, uh, uh, doctorate degree in clinical psychology and that was extra five years so five years later when she graduated we moved back to Israel you know I think as soon as we graduated I had you know one of those introduction shows at one of the galleries in San Francisco Paula Anglin but that was pretty much my one and only show that I did in San Francisco because I got too busy with work at the San Francisco Art Institute and pretty much dedicated everything that I knew and wanted to, uh, in you know, dedicated it to the students, uh, mostly to the young students, which was terrific. I mean, it was really fulfilling, and it was something I really enjoyed doing. I was actually doing that before I moved to San Francisco. I had my own photography schools, so I, I was I, I wasn't doing much of my own artwork at the time. I was still photographing. I did a couple shows in Israel. One of them was while we were living in San Francisco, and the other one was a, a show that I did as soon as we got back. I think it was 2000 and 
probably 2007 or so. We moved back to Israel in 2006. So 2007, I did a show in Israel. And that was actually my last show. I did participate in group shows, but not a solo show. I ended up running, um, I was the head of a photography department, running an academic program here in Israel, one of the top three art colleges here in Israel. I ended up being the head of photography department for five years and then stopped doing that in 2012, late 2012, at the end of the academic year. Honestly, I got fed up with students. <laughs> I can relate. I'm still teaching. A bunch of, a bunch of whiners. <laughs> yeah, and it's only getting worse, sadly. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, at the time, I think we had about 120 students at the time when I was there running the department. And soon after, I think, overall, the situation may be worldwide or in Israel, I'm not really sure. But enrollment started really going down and down and down and down. And to a point where, I mean, I'm still in touch with them and I talk to some of the staff and faculty that I had back then. They're about, you know, at 40 students now. And I'm talking about a four-year academic program, total of 40 students. So it's pretty sad, actually. It is, yeah. Well, my undergraduate degree, when I graduated from the Corcoran, I graduated with only a total of four of, of us. So three other students and Really? Me. Wow. Wow. It was a fluke year. The year before us was like 15. The year after us was 30. But like our year, for some stupid reason, was just four of us. Wow. Which was great in many ways, but horrible in many, so many other ways. <laughs> yeah. Not much of a group dynamic. No. And we didn't like each other. So it's just, ugh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and so um, soon after, as soon as I um, got back to Israel, I decided that I uh, want to get an MFA, like not a, an MFA degree, sorry, uh, an MBA degree. And um, and I did the uh, terrific program at the Tel Aviv University. It's called uh, the Executive MBA Program. And I did mine um, specializing actually in nonprofit organizations, uh, thinking that, you know, my career idea at the time was the uh, you know, maybe I'll end up being kind of a head of an art college or or a COO of one or go into maybe museum or, you know, something along that line. Um, and I really started at the same time, I started riding bikes, mountain bikes, pretty intensely. And as soon as, as, as I'm soon waiting as to see I, how uh, this comes got, together. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And as soon as soon as I finished my degree. Basically, as the head of an academic program, uh, we had four year, four days, four working days. One was a studio day, and then you know that makes five, and then you've got two weekend days. Um, and I actually used my studio day to open up a bike shop, and with a couple friends, and we ended up opening a really nice professional bike shop that was about thirteen years ago. Since then, I bought my friends out. They were my partners. Yeah, so since then, I bought them out. I was just doing the math. That's all my facial expression Okay. Was. And, uh, and now I have, uh, I actually have two really nice professional bike shops. 
and uh, I ride bikes most of the time. <laughs> and uh, and so much for art. <laughs> okay. I have to admit, I'm a little saddened by that. I quite enjoyed your art, but okay. If it makes you happy. Well, I think that, you know, I enjoyed making art. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed making art. And I think the intensity of it at the time was good. Um, you know, I was, I was totally immersed in it when I was in Israel prior to coming to San Francisco. I had two, my own two art schools. I was running one art school. I was a partner in, in another photography school. Um, my whole life was about art, 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 art. And um, I think coming back to Israel, uh, it's, it's a very different art scene. And I guess the intensity or I would say the emotional investment along with the, you know, money investment that you have to make to survive as, as a working artist uh, while having a family because we came back from San Francisco with our firstborn. She was born in San Francisco. At the time, she was uh, three when we came back here. Uh, she's 18 now. And um, it, it was just, it, it was almost impossible. I mean, you know, I was, I was lucky to get the position as the head of a photography department and to do that for five years. And that still made, connected me to the art world. I was curating shows. I was showing my work as part of group shows, but it wasn't really, you know, my main, my main interest anymore. I was more about, it was more about helping younger students finding, find their way within the art world. And some of them did terrific. They're still doing great. Um, but I think it was, for me, it was always the balance between, do I want a family? Do I want, uh, you know, if, if you want a, a, fa a real family, it's, you know, any family is real, but you want a family with, you know, three kids and in a house and you want kind of a daily normal routine. Um, it doesn't really coexist with being an active artist, at least here in Israel, for the most case. You know, some people do make it, but you have to be really totally immersed in it, emotionally invested. And, and I think for me, um, I, I wasn't up to it. I think it was just the, the emotional investment of, of putting together a show um, every couple of years and and basically financing that show until, you know, I, I did have a gallery here in Israel. I had one before I moved to San Francisco that was representing me, and they were terrific. She was unbelievable, super relaxed, never pressured me into anything. Um, but at the same time, it was just, you know, you have to invest all that money into putting the show together. You know, cross your finger for, you know, good reviews or any review for that matter. You know, the worst thing is to be ignored. You know, you had a show. No one knows about it. Great. <laughs> and um, and then it, it, it wasn't the case in my, you know, it wasn't the case in, in, in my experience. I did have reviews. Most of them were good. But just the whole the whole idea of putting yourself up there again and, and kind of going through that routine, it was just too much for me. Just the, the anxiety of it was just uh, too overwhelming for me at the end. And, um, and so I decided, you know, it was easy for me to focus on my students and put that aside. And when you put that aside for too long, it's very hard to come back to it. Um, and at the same time, the, you know, biking passion was growing and growing and growing. 
And, uh, and, and that was just, you know, just being outdoor is when you, you probably remember most of my work as being kind of outdoorsy, you know, whether it was the black and white, uh, sailboats from the Golden Gate Bridge or. <laughs> I loved those pieces. Or thank you. Or, uh, or just, you know, the scenery, the, the big four by five shots that I did and kind of slightly manipulated from the California landscape, California, Nevada landscapes. So for me, the, it was always about being outdoors. And I guess biking kind of got me there and, and made me just as happy because I've always enjoyed the part that was being outdoor and photographing outdoor as the actual experience. And perhaps more than, you know, printing it and putting it on the wall, which to me was like, oh, that was a great moment when I was there. And, and you know, just biking outdoors and we've got terrific desert rides here in Israel and we've got like forest rides here in Israel. It's just a beautiful place. We've got everything from snowy mountains to year-round sunny beaches in Eilat. You've got everything here. Are you selling other company bikes or like you designing your own bikes? No, we're not designing our own bikes. It's a, okay. There's not a single company here in Israel that actually does that. It's uh, we work. I work with uh, 12 big companies here in Israel. So, um, so we've got, um, you know, if you're a little bit into the bike world, so we've got Specialized, we've got Santa Cruz, uh, but mostly, actually, funny enough, it's mostly North American companies. And, and we've got two shops now, and everything is going really great. The COVID epidemic actually made the biking industry kind of boom. So we've really enjoyed that for the last two years. And I have to say, haven't really enjoyed COVID-19, um, but, but, you know, if, if I'm being not cynical, but realistic, just about the, the business aspect of things, it, it's been an amazing, it's been amazing two years for us. Yeah. I've thought about buying a bike since COVID hit. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, really the last two years have been unbelievable and it's, it's just, it's, it's still going. I mean, it's, it's still going. Yeah, so at Ramp to Garrett School, I started working with Patrick Painter Gallery, and he started, he's picked me up as an artist in 2005, and I showed there till 2009, and then things got complicated there, so I, I left the gallery, and then um, I just started working with other artists and other curators, and then I started showing with uh, Green Exhibitions, who was run by Rob Green, and uh, God, I don't remember when. 2010 maybe i don't know nine i don't know yeah something like that that's about the time we last saw each other when i was in los angeles for that conference which conference i remember i was in los angeles for i think it was a caa conference or oh something okay like that. yeah and i remember it was you and i like we just met up and then we ran into tony labat mm. oh yeah yeah, that was a long time ago. It's hard to, to, yeah. to keep these things together now. It's uh, it's all uh, conflated. <laughs> we're we're getting old. We're getting old. I know. Yeah, right now you don't even know how old you are anymore. If someone asks me how old I am, I'm like, fuck, I have to actually think about it because I don't even keep track anymore. I know because I mentioned it on the podcast a lot. But after school, I mean, and after uh, working with Patrick and showing with Patrick, that was an interesting experience because. 
right out of grad school, I was really romantic about trying to pursue art. And she said, I'm just going to pull part-time job and, and try to make my work. And then realize you step out of that world and you're like, well, that's not going to fucking happen. I got to get a real fucking job and I'm not going to make it. I'm going to have to go back home to Canada. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. So I started, uh, you know, and I was a preparator at the Walter McBean gallery and, um, at SFAI. So I had that kind of experience and then, um, started working with Patrick doing that kind of stuff and learning, uh, all the techniques and, him sending me to art fairs and stuff like that, which was a really enriching experience. But also, I learned a lot of the the dirty things of the art world, which really, really quickly. And also a lot of the good things. And I, I kind of just now, and I, I didn't actually make weird work for a year after I, I left grad school because all the, the stuff I learned about the art world is very uh, discouraging. And But then you figure out how to navigate it. And it's like, well, if I know how to do it now, uh, and I know what what <laughs> what they're expecting and all these things that maybe I can navigate it my own way and, and do it as best as I can and take out the dirty stuff uh, or acknowledge the dirty stuff and then try to just go about it, forge my own way through it, you know. So and then after that, I started teaching. I went with this program that was uh, that sends artists out into the community and we teach um, system impacted youth. And I did that for quite a long time. And that was very, very fulfilling. And then I, you know, making my work also, and then showing in galleries, Rob at Green Exhibitions, and also getting grants and and you know producing major works and stuff like that. And then when the pandemic hit, we obviously all of us artists lost our opportunities. So I thought to create a virtual gallery uh, called Epoch, and then that 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 blew up a little bit. So I I am now uh, mainly focused on that. And then doing my work on the side as well, and uh, having some a lot of commissions coming up, and and really venturing into the NFT world essentially. Yeah. The one thing that didn't change, which I'm happy and I'm proud of, is I'm still in San Francisco. I never actually left, except from a break, maybe for four years. I was going back and forth between Israel and and San Francisco because I met my wife now uh, over there and was commuting. So basically every time I had a project or an art show or something here in San Francisco, I would come here. But that was only four years out of almost the 30 that I've been here. So I consider that I really never left. Actually, now I am thinking about moving out of the city. Uh, <laughs> now that you ask, <laughs> I feel like I, you know, maybe it's time to, I moved my studio up to the foothills of the Sierra. Uh, which is about two hours and a half drive from here. Just one of the reasons because rent was just crazy here. Also, um, just wanted to get out and do art over there. And um, it happened before the pandemic. So once the pandemic hit, we actually moved there for a year and lived there because we could. You know, my daughter's school was online and my job was remote. So my wife's job. And now we're back, but we're going back and forth as, as I can. So that's one thing. I never left physically or always lived here and worked here. After school, you know, go, doing, doing my master's was a kind of a point in my life where, point in time in my life when I made a change, I thought back then. I... Until then, my main income and my, I wouldn't say my focus, but my main income and 
80% of my focus was uh, in design. I was a designer. I um, I had a you know I studied design in the in the school in Israel. I got my BA in design, and I moved to the states to work here as a designer, and that's the first job I got. But something happened. I always say that that actually, I think I. I don't know if I became an artist or wanted to do our fine art was when I moved here. And looking backward, it has to do with maybe the fact that I got out of my swamp of 30 years living in Israel, which uh, it is a swamp. It is a little t- city, little country in a little, a little city. It's like a big village. Everyone knows what you're doing. Everyone has a thing to say about what you're doing. And maybe that getting out of that comfort zone and that environment that I knew and moving to a completely new place, which was San Francisco, I came here directly almost, uh, allows me to look at things differently, look at myself and allowing me to do something that I always wanted to do and couldn't. So during that, so after my master, after going to school, the Art Institute, I saw myself mainly as an artist. So I did mainly art. Still did some project or gigs as a designer just to support myself. But since I had, I was lucky to have uh, shows and galleries right after school and start selling. I thought I could make also a living from just doing being an artist. That dream kind of <laughs> backfired in my face once I got married and suddenly had a family our own daughter and my wife had her daughter. So suddenly I was father of three and from being single in San Francisco to have a family in San Francisco once they moved here. I realized it's actually it happened the same time when I got a really b- big commission of art. So I thought, oh, great, I can support my family by doing art. And they just arrived. So I was, you know, doing crazy times and working late and driving an hour every day to the fabricator and trying to basically I lost my pants on those on that project you know <laughs> I lost so much money because of time management and realized didn't realize how how behind I was and after that project I decided okay now I need to maybe split my time again and go back to get a job as a designer which is kind of a full-time job really and do art in the evenings and you know in my studio when and on weekends and that's what I've been doing since then I think I my day job is a I today is a creative director back then was a designer today I oversee design but back then I was designing also and then I have my studio time you know I have I had a studio in South San Francisco for many years so I would go in the evenings or my Saturday was my day to be there and when I had project, it would be more than that, of course, or a commission. But yeah, so from graduating until today, you know, I kind of, I've been like 100% doing art or 50% back and forth. And hopefully soon it can go back to 100% once my daughter goes to college and um, maybe we'll move to a studio in the mountains and but still you know gotta pay for college and gotta pay for bills and <laughs> uh, i i do know that's yeah that's, yeah yeah like most of us uh, except from the lucky few maybe who 
don't but i still consider myself lucky i know it's rare to have shows right you know the right even before i we graduated i knew i had a show ready so i do feel lucky in that sense and then having finding this amazing gallery that i work with right now for the last 15 years who's a very honest and very supportive guy who is also pretty well known in the industry in the art world if you want so that also is very lucky i mean some people have great gallery but also being an honest and supportive you know financially and mentally if you want i was lucky in that sense i think so yeah that's kind of in a nutshell i actually looked up paper culture and like looked at it and I, it didn't have anything about like team members like i couldn't find what you did there okay yeah i'm the creative director it's a it's a cool company it's really good at least they do good very eco-friendly and uh they care about carbon footprint so finally i feel like i'm working for someone who does and the team is great people are great my team is great i feel like i'm a teacher all over again all the young kids coming out of college the age of my daughter i enjoy that a professor from city college uninvited came to my graduate our graduation ceremony and I saw her and I, as we were kind of, you know, afterwards, and she came up to me and she said, congratulations. And then the next words out of her mouth, come and teach with us. And I was terrified. <laughs> so I was like. That's incredibly flattering. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I was, I was like, I, don't, I hate school. What the hell would I want to teach? <laughs> I'm trying to get out of here. So that triggered it. And I adjuncted at. Sacramento City College, and then I had uh, lecture positions at California College of the Arts. I taught one semester at Stanford, and then I taught at UC Davis and um, many other schools. But I really thought, oh, I, I, I think I want to teach, you know? But it was terrifying. It's not terrifying anymore. So that's... I think you, the, the question was how I got into education. Was that the question? The question was sort of what, it, you know, what has your career path looked like over the last 20 years? Yeah, teaching. So right. I, I, I was joking with a colleague that I should get an honorary doctorate in education because really I've been, teach, I've been learning how to teach at the community college because, you know, at art school, we didn't learn how to teach. And so all these, all these MFAs then go to their respective teaching institutions and like, okay. <laughs> uh, so we follow the roles of our role models. So like uh, our mutual professor, Paul Koss. I remember all of my professors, Anna Nabokov, Dewey Crumpler, uh, Jeremy Morgan. And I take the bits and parts that really stood out to me. And how can I relate that at a level for students who have never been exposed to art? And how do I, in a sense, I feel like I'm creating uh, ambassadors to the arts because they're not going to go to the arts. You know, I want them to appreciate it and understand that culture is important. And then I 
decided that I wanted to get out of the Bay Area. So I quit my job and I went to Switzerland on a residency and, it, and everything just changed. I collaborated with a great uh, percussionist, uh, Christophe Filet, in um, the Canton of Ballet in Switzerland. And I also met George Funder, the president of ICAB, which is an art school. And the exposure to this really just blew my mind. And they invited me back quite a few times. And then I came back and landed a job at, in Rhode Island at a community college in Rhode Island. I was in the East Coast for four, five years. And then I decided I wanted to be closer to my family and I wanted to be back in California. So I applied here and I got this job. Well, I mean, I certainly, I had help, you know, from my ex-husband for my daughter. So that was. If I remember correctly, that person is somebody from Green Day. Is that right? That's what I remember. You remembered. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I said to her this morning, I was like, I don't even know if he remembers. She's like, he probably remembers. Because <laughs> it, it was like, so like, are you fucking kidding me? Really? <laughs> Yeah. No, it's funny because, like, looking at the wedding pictures, because we both walked her down the aisle, and it's like, it's so crazy. I mean, I've known him since he was 20. I was 20. We were 20 and 21 when we met. So, a lot of history. I don't remember which person from Green Day it was. I just remember Green Day for some weird reason. Yeah. Well, because I was a big deal in the Bay Area, too. So. Right, yeah, which sort of associates it all together for why you were there and why you wanted to stay there and all that. I get all that. But yeah, it was okay. So so you didn't teach, you didn't do any other things. So you just made art and full-time mom for the past 20 years. Yeah, I mean, until she went to college, uh, you know, I definitely had financial support for her from him, so which ended at 18. Which was fine. I mean, I felt like, okay, if I had the resources financially and I had the time to be there for her, then that's what I should do. So, and I did it. But I mean, I did sell work, but it's not enough to live in New York City, obviously. <laughs> I remember one Larry Sultan coming to, to New York for something and we were all out and we were drinking these god-awful apple martinis. And he was like, how do you pay your mortgage? And I was like, I was so hurt. You know, I thought like, well, you should be proud of me. I'm living in New York and I'm raising my daughter and I have this gallery in San Francisco. How, why do you care how I pay my mortgage? Like, Well, I mean, it's one of those things like there's the old joke that like, if you get 10 bankers together, all they're going to do is talk about art and you get 10 artists together. All they're going to talk about is money. Right. <laughs> no, I know it's definitely, you know, time and money are, affect people's ability to make art. So, And it's one of the things a lot of us are very sort of envious of. Like, I'm very envious of people who have enough time, money, and space. Those are my big three, time, money, and space. If, I mean, if, the, if I had that amount of money, I would be so happy. Like, I don't need to be rich, but I want enough money to be have time, money, and space to just do what I want to do without any concerns. That would be amazing. Yeah, but do you think it really works that way always? I don't know, but I'd like to try. <laughs> like I have friends now that are, 
you know, started having kids much later. So they have kids at home still, or they have teenagers and they're just like, your life is so great. And I'm like, yes, in some regards, but you know, I'm also on my own and like, that sucks sometimes too. And just because I have the time doesn't always mean I'm going to use it resourcefully. So I think that's a common artist struggle. Not all of us, but a lot of us. I don't know. It it was fits and spurts. Like I've had a, there were, I remember there was like five or six years where I was not productive at all. Like literally made no artwork whatsoever. And then there are times when I'm like in the studio every single day doing something like, I don't care what, because it's just, I don't know. Catharsis maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the thing about New York too, if you're paying for a studio in New York, like you better be there. Yeah, exactly. And I was sharing with other people, Amanda, on and off for years. Okay. You know, she'll uh, bust your ass if you don't show up. And, uh, and you know, as my daughter got a little bit older, there was more time. But then she was also a competitive ice dancer. So I was like driving all over creation and spending hours and hours at an ice rink, like doing needlepoint in the parking lot. So, you know... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just totally picturing that from the lady that I met in the studios at San Francisco, who was like all punk rock, leather jacket and all that to knitting outside of an ice dancing competition. Is that correct? Practice. Yeah. Because I don't deal with the other mom. So I don't take my car. But what, 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 wait, but I have to know what kind of car was it like a minivan too, just to like paint the whole picture? No, it was an Audi all road. Okay. That's pretty good. I'll go with that. Not very punk rock. The, the, the way I remember you, but still a nice car. I had a Range Rover in grad school. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That's not very punk rock. It's not at all. No. No, no minivan. I love that Audi. That car was a piece of shit, and the suspension would always, the air suspension would fall out, and yeah. Has there been ebbs and flows in your exhibition opportunities and your sales and things like this, or has it been a very nice and consistent throughout the last twenty years? No, it's definitely been up and down. I mean, it was pretty solid with Heather Marks. I think, again, it was just timing. And so when they closed brick and mortar, it was like, it was really sad. But I mean, I understood why, because real estate in San Francisco was just crazy. And I think that was when art fairs were really starting to take off. And she does art advisory still. So if she can place me in a collection, she will. And then with Nancy in New York, I mean, it's this huge, beautiful gallery in Chelsea and which is great. And she does the art fairs too. Um, But yeah, I I had my last big solo show was 2013, right before my daughter went to college. And I'm like, (laughs) now what? And it's like, okay, that's fine. Because there's other people there. I mean, she's had, she's been doing this for 45 years. And so she's had artists that, you know, she has artists from like my age to younger to people in their eighties, like, long careers and sometimes when you look at the trajectory of someone who's had this career for 40 years it's not all up here like there are dips and 
people do try new things. And I guess there is, again, some freedom in that if you have some downtime, you can do something different. And it's not so risky. It's like, oh, wow, she deviated from the program. Like, eh, sales are down. So I don't know where it's going, though. I mean, I actually sold an encaustic piece a few months ago. It was something that I made a few years ago. And, you know, she had a collector come in and they bought it. So I was like, okay, great. Sometimes it takes years to sell stuff. It's interesting. It's very true. Like I've, I've been finding in my career, I will be doing something and I'll, I'll work on it for like the same technique, concept, whatever subject series for like three to five years. And then I'll put it out in the world and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited by this. And nobody gives a shit. And then about you know three to five years later, I come out with my next series and then every, suddenly everybody's like, oh, but I like that last series. Can I buy that last series? <laughs> I'm like... More other stuff. Yeah, I really love the previous things you were doing. Like, fuck you. Like, we keep up with it already. Exactly. I know. Or people would always say to me, well, "What are you going to do when your daughter grows up? Who? What's your work going to be like?" And it was like, I don't know yet. It's going to be empty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and I mean, I think someone like. I don't know. Then there's just like, well, do you make books? Do you put the time and effort into making books? Like that was very popular for a while then too. And I remember like Todd Heido, for example, who, you know, I was good friends with for a long time. Well, books sell prints. Well, for him, they did like, you know, his career definitely took off and he made these beautiful, huge books. And that was that. So I, you know, I did a little book with that Cavallo point thing, but that's not in my skill set. Book design's not something I know how to do. And I think I was a little afraid too. It's like, well, do you invest in this route? Or again, I, like I've heard you talk about, it's like, are residencies what sort of give you those connections again? Like, should we encourage people to do more residencies? Like, Well, my personal opinion, having heard, you know, 200 people's inputs on it, at this point, I believe residencies are a very large part of the career building methodology now. Now, maybe it wasn't even 10 years ago, but today it's very much, uh, I believe a lot of, it, you make a lot of connections, plus you get some extra things on your CV. Plus, of course, you're also then given some time and space and, and resources to actually make, you know, invest time in researching and investigating a process or a technique or an idea um, that uh, I, I think benefits people's careers in ways that when we didn't do them, we didn't have. Right. I think originally the, the goal was to be on the wall in the gallery and it was pretty sort of a narrow site. It was like, okay, I can focus on that. And I think you really have to be open to all kinds of different things now. To wrap this up, I'd like to thank you for listening all the way to the end of the conversation. We would appreciate it if you would share the podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, studio mates, or anybody with an interest in arts and creative endeavors. The building and strengthening of the arts and creative community is at the core of our mission for this podcast. They can listen and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are produced by 5014. The audio was edited by Cush Audio Services, and the music was created by Pete Bybee.
The Wise Fool Art Podcast is supported in part by an EEA grant from Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway in an effort to work together for a green, competitive, and inclusive Europe. We would also like to thank our partners Hunt Kastner in Prague, Czech Republic, and Kunst Centrene in Norge in Norway. Links to EEA grants and our partner organizations are available in the show notes or on our website, wisefoolpod.com. 